You're listening to a powerful message from Pastors Jeremy and Miranda Nelson at the Love Revolution Conference, hosted by C3 Church Tugger. Get ready to have a life-changing encounter with Christ. Who's thankful to be here tonight in the presence of God? Because I'm telling you, there's such a, a realm of God's glory here tonight. And you know, for some of you, God wants to reveal to you more about what the glory of God is and how the glory of God moves. And, and you know, tonight, I really believe God wants to just love on some of you and just absolutely wreck your understanding of what God looks like and what God's love is. Uh, come on, isn't God good? I mean, I'm telling you, we've been here for a little more than a week now. And, uh, you know, Moran and I, uh, we were in, at Jubilee Church in, in Bondi, um, you know, just this last week. And I'm telling you, we were really suffering for Jesus. They, like, introduced us to their beach, and we were like, hello, heaven, right? I mean, I want you to understand something. Do you guys know how beautiful your nation is? <laughs> I mean, we have been, like, blessed. I mean, we live in San Diego, California, so we're pretty... We're pretty accustomed to this kind of suffering anyway. But, but you know, uh, what I'm saying, though, is this is like, man, Australia is amazing. It is. And, and, and you know what? I'll tell you what's even more amazing is what God's about to do in the spirit and in the natural in Australia. I mean, I'm telling you, the realm of, of beauty and glory that you have in the natural is nothing compared to the realm of beauty and glory that God wants to release over this nation. And, and God is, I'm telling you, he's on the move. It's not something like we're going, hey, we're waiting for God to move. No, God is on the move. He is. He's on the move. And, and, and I'm excited because, you know, um, we, we've been seeing God move powerfully over the last few days. I mean, in, in Bondi, when we were at the church there, it's amazing. God started doing some awesome healings and awesome miracles. And, 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 you know, one of the things I like to tell people all the time is, why does God do miracles? Because it's a vehicle to get the love of God to people. And, and, and I'm telling you, awesome miracles. We had a woman that had um, been in, in an accident, broke her wrist, totally shattered it. The doctors put um, metal plates and, and screws in her hand. And when we prayed for her, I'm telling you, we just released the love of Jesus. God totally dissolved the metal plate and dissolved the, the, the pins. They were gone. She could not find them anymore. Her wrist was completely restored. I mean, I'm telling you, the other night we were in Thornton. And uh, we were ministering, and there was a guy there who, for his whole life, I mean, I didn't even ask him how old he was, but he, was, he had to have been in probably his 50s. And his whole life, he had not been able to hear out of his right ear, and it was because he was born with a tumor in his ear. And the doctors, when he went to get it checked out, they, they said to him, they said, you're never going to hear, man. This thing, it's completely blocking, you know, your, your, your passageway in your ear, and it's inoperable. We can't operate on it. Well, I'm telling you, the goodness of God shows up in the meeting the other night and he responds to a word of knowledge. We pray for him and for the first time in his life. I mean, I don't know what God did with the tumor, but it dissolved and he could hear perfectly. See, these are the, the things that God is doing in this season, this hour, and, and, and it's a, a demonstration of God's love. I mean, less, you know, I'm sure if I got Miranda up here, she'd tell you a whack load of testimonies from Thursday night. Who was here Thursday night? Who got healed Thursday night? See, look, there's one, two, three different people that got four that got healed Thursday night. Last night, there were some amazing miracles. And, and you see, I want you to understand something. I believe this is a culture 
of the kingdom of God that God wants to begin to stir and He wants to begin to release in the church in Australia. And, and I believe that you guys have, have seen this before, but I believe that there's a wave coming. A far greater wave of, of, of glory and power and, and signs and wonders and miracles that, that God wants to release. And, and I'm excited because I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I believe that the word of the Lord is this. You haven't seen anything yet. Jesus. Woo. <laughs> Come on, who's feeling good in here? I, it feels great. I, I love, I love this place, man. I'm telling you, we're going to move in healing. We're going to move in miracles. God's going to, God's going to heal people. But I, uh, before we go there, I want to talk to you a little bit about love because I want to prepare your heart for it. And you see, uh, the, this is, we're, we're here, you know, um, I, I don't have the little flyer, but this is a love revolution conference. And I, I, I want you to understand something. What is a love revolution? See, I talked about it a little bit last night, but I want to bring more revelation to it. See, a revolution, according to the Webster's Dictionary, says this. It says it's a far and drastic change in ways of thinking and behaving regarding a culture and a society. And you see, what God's about to do is God's about to raise up firebrands. He's about to raise up a generation that are going to carry the fire of His love and they're going to be a generation of freedom fighters that are going to take the glory of God and they're going to reveal it to a generation that has not seen the glory. And you see, for some of us, we've got to understand what does the glory of God look like? How does the glory of God work? How do we release the glory of God? And you see, the only way to do that is to look to the Word of God. You know, Exodus 33, 18, it tells us that Moses... He cried out to God and he said, Lord, please, if I've found favor in your sight, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And you know what the Bible says? It says that God hid you know, Moses in the cleft of the rock and he allowed all of his goodness and all of his love and his compassion and all of who he was in his nature to pass, if you would, Moses by. And I want you to understand something. How many know we live in a time and a day where there's a lot of preaching and teaching on the goodness of God? I want you to understand something. I believe that God wants to take it further. He does. The goodness of God is amazing, but that was only part of what Moses saw as the glory of God passed him by. See, a lot of people, when we talk about the glory, they go, oh yeah, signs and wonders, miracles, healings, the goosebumps and the tickles that I get when we're in church and God shows up. No, those are not the glory of God. Those are byproducts of the glory of God being in our midst. See, the glory of God is not a sign of wonder. The glory of God is a person. And I want you to understand something. Moses, when he saw God's glory, it says that he hit him in the cleft of the rock. How many of you are saved in this place tonight? See, I want you to understand something. That means you're hid in the cleft of the rock. And, and your life is hidden in Christ Jesus. You've died to yourself and you're alive in Him. And because of that, you are a candidate to see the goodness and the glory of God pass your life by. Because you have relationship and covenant with Him, He wants to come and He wants to pass you by. And He wants to reveal more of who He is to you than ever before. And you see, I'm excited because here's the thing. God wants to take it further than just the goodness of God. He wants to take it to a place where we understand the compassion of God. We understand the favor of God. We understand the nature of God. We understand the person of who God is. And I'm telling you right now, we have access. Uh And you see, God sent Jesus into the earth for one reason and one reason alone. And that's to give us access to the Father. 
That's to make a way that we would have right relationship with God so that every single day of our lives we can behold what Moses beheld that day. See, I want you to understand something. We're not in the Old Testament and we're not under an old covenant. We're under a new covenant, which is far greater. If you would, 2 Corinthians 2, uh, 3 tells us uh, uh, the, the covenant that we have is greater than that in the Old Testament. Oh. And you see, I want, I want to paint a picture for you tonight, uh, just what that glory looks like and, and, and what we have available to us as sons and daughters of the living God and, and, and also how to apprehend that realm of glory. And you see, I'm telling you, God is raising up a glory generation. A generation that so encounters God that the, the very goodness and the very love and the very nature of who He is begins to be seen plainly and clearly through their lives in such a way that it captivates the world. That when the world looks at them, they go, there's something about that person, man. I've got to have what they got. And you see, I, I want you to understand something. The gospel looks like something. The gospel looks like something. It's more than just mere talk or words. Like Paul the Apostle said, I come not with elegance of speech or superior wisdom according to man's understanding, but I come with a demonstration of God's power and God's spirit that your faith might not lie in a man, but would lie in God. And you see, Jesus, when he came, he came to reveal the very glory that Moses saw in Exodus 33. In fact, Jesus' ministry was a ministry of glory. You can see that in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says this. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. And how he went about doing good, setting all who oppressed the devil free. See, what does the glory look like when it manifests? What does the, the, the Holy Spirit do when he begins to move upon our lives and move through our lives? I'll tell you what he does. He begins to set people free that are oppressed. He begins to bring freedom to those that are in bondage and captivity. He begins to release the kingdom of God in their midst to the point where they have to make a decision now. Because they just encountered a God who is so real that it's tangible enough they can taste it. They can touch it. They can feel it. See, that's who Jesus was. Everywhere he went, he was doing miracles. He was preaching messages. And you know what was happening? And what was happening was transformation of cities and nations. I mean, transformations of, of people's lives, the hardest of hard people being set free and being saved. And I, I want you to understand something. Jesus was motivated by love. And the reason why he was motivated by love is because uh, love is what the glory looks like. Love is who our Father in Heaven is. And the world has painted a bad picture of who God is. And, and, and the religious spirit has painted a bad picture of who God is. See, so many people in the world, they think this when they think of God. Oh, God's up in Heaven and He's counting my sins. He's up there, you know. And a lot of unbelievers, they go, man, that guy's up there. He's got a big bat up there. He's looking down. He's like, I saw that, you know. But the reality is that's so far from who our Father is. <laughs> See, God sent Jesus and he would die on the cross and raise from the dead. Why? To take care of the sin. To take care of that issue. But, but not only that, he sent him he, to, to take care of our sin, but he also sent him to give us access to the things of his heart and to the things of his kingdom. Access to the same realm that Jesus walked in. And what God wants to do is God wants to raise up a generation who will demonstrate the Father's love. And you see, we've seen it. I mean, I remember one time, you know, I was at this hotel. And uh, we, we were hanging out at this hotel, and we're sitting in this large hot tub. 
and, and God speaks to me and, and we're just vacationing and God speaks to me and he says, see the woman over there? There's like 20 of us in this hot tub. And he says, see that woman over there? I said, yeah. He said, I want you to, I want you to, to talk with her. I want you to witness to her. I said, okay. So I thought, okay, I'll do that. And I said, what do I do, Lord? He said, just ask her if she's spiritual. So I said, hey, are you spiritual? And, and this lady goes, yeah, actually I am. And, and I said, cool, what do you believe? And she starts going off on like what I would call the doctrines of Satan. Like, I mean, that was crazy. She was like into like all this like magic and black art stuff. And, and she was like telling me all about it. I mean, you, you talk about some weird things coming out of some people's mouths. I mean, and, and, and so I'm sitting there and I'm listening to this. And she asks me the question after that. She goes, so you asked me if I'm spiritual. How about you? I said, absolutely. She said, what do you believe in? And I said, I believe in Jesus. She goes, <laughs> laughs at me right in my face. She goes, Jesus, he ain't spiritual. You, what do you mean? And she goes, I've been to church. I mean, no, that's a knock. Like, I, I was like, um, you don't know my Jesus. I'm like, you don't think Jesus has got power? And I start telling this woman, I'm like, here's the thing. I've been to India. I was just in India. And I saw blind eyes open, deaf ears uh, hearing. I saw lame people walking. I start telling this woman all about the works of Jesus that we had been seeing on our missions trip. And this is what she says. She goes, she goes so what? The yogis can do that too. And I thought, yogis? <laughs> and and I, I was like, what's a yogi? And this lady starts going off. She's like, you don't know what a yogi is and you call yourself spiritual? La, la, la. You know, I go, look, uh, the only yogi I know is a bear on TV when I was a kid. Like, I have no clue what you're talking about. And so and, anyway, at this time, the manager comes out. And he's like, hey, you guys got to go. He's like, you can't be arguing. This is late night. People are, you know, sleeping in the rooms. And, and then this guy, he says this. It's funny. He, he wanted like Jerry Springer in his office. He goes, hey, you guys, I got a couch. You can come argue in here. That's what he said. And, and God tells me, do not do that. He said, in fact, just pray for that woman. I want you to ask her if you can pray for her. I know she doesn't believe in me, but just ask her, you know, if you can pray. So I said, hey, I said, this woman's name is Jennifer. I said, Jennifer, I know you don't believe in Jesus. And you believe that, you know, you've got this great power because she was telling me about it. And it turned out the woman was a witch. And, and so anyway, I, I, I said, I know you don't believe in Jesus, but can I pray for you? I just want to pray for you. And she goes, all right, fine. You can pray for me and just starts going off again. And so anyway, I take one of her hands and my friend takes her other hand. So we both got a hand, right? And she goes, no, I got to center all my energy on one of you at a time. And I just thought like, okay, how many know the Bible says in First John 4, 4, greater is he that's in us than he who's in the world? Did you know you don't have to fear anyone or anything? And so I put my hand in her hand and, and I got my hand there, you know, and, and she puts both her hands around mine and starts going like this and starts making all these weird movements. But it was too late. I'd been with conference junkies, you know. So I was like, hey, it's all good. I've seen people do that, too, you know. And, and so, so I start to pray and all of a sudden I'm just playing around. But I start to pray. And I, I go into this snapshot picture of a rose. That's all I see. It's just a rose. And the inspiration of the Holy Spirit comes. I start to prophesy. And this is my prayer. I said, Jennifer, even though you do not know God, he wants you to know that when he sees you, he sees you as beautiful like a rose. And I said, the reason why is because he created you in that beauty. And the minute I said that, the power of God hit this witch. And she goes, ah, ah you're blocking my powers. Nobody's ever blocked my powers. And I'm thinking, whoa, you know. And, and, and so then out of my belly comes this, because she's making fun of Jesus for like a half hour. I said, that's right, this is Jesus. It's the power of God, you know. And, 
And so she's like messed up, man. I mean, she's like under the power of the Holy Ghost. And she goes, what is this energy? What is this energy? I don't understand. What is this energy? And, and so I, I just like tell her, I'm like, that's God. That's Jesus. And, and, and so anyway, I, I tell my friend, I'm like, do you pray for her? And he's like six foot seven. So he's got a lot of God, right? I'm like, go for it, man. And he like takes her hand. And, and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, Oh, I just, I want to release the presence. Can I release the presence on her? And, and, and I was all fired up. And, and so I, he said, okay. And I went like this, whew, like that. And I'm telling you, the power of God hit this witch. And she went, ah, stumbled back, hit a bush and ran. We never saw her again. We never saw her again. I mean, I was like shocked. You know, I said, God, that was amazing. Like, and, and then the Lord spoke to me and he said, Jeremy, he said, listen to me, son. He said, don't get your eyes on the power of that encounter as much as what caused that encounter. And I said, what do you mean? And, and he told me, he said, Jeremy, he, he said, I've called you to love the witches, not, you know, not beat them up. He said, he said, here's the thing I'm teaching you. He said, look at what caused the encounter. He said, what caused the encounter was love. He said it was the minute that you began to prophesy the love of the Father over that woman. It was at that moment of time she encountered a presence and a power that was far greater than anything she had ever experienced. See, I want you to understand something. People on the dark side, when it comes to witchcraft and it comes to, you know, all the stuff of darkness, they operate by a spirit of what? Fear and control. And you see, I want you to understand something. The Bible tells us that perfect love casts down all fear. And what happened was the love of the Father hit this woman and it took authority over what she operated in. And for the first time in her life, she experienced the greatest power. And you see, I believe the woman's healed and totally set free and saved. I I didn't get to lead her to the Lord, but here's the thing I know about witches and warlocks and people that are walking in that arena. They're power trippers. The reason why they do what they do is because they desire to be powerful. I mean, I couldn't see this woman going around going, yeah, I got the second greatest power, man. <laughs> you know, but Jesus whacked me one night, but I still got some. You know. No, I'm telling you, it's a seed of life into her heart. And, you know, I, I want you to understand something. Here's, here's the way evangelism works. You want to know the way that evangelism works? Sometimes it's a process. See, so many times we're so quick to like, we got to get them to pray right now. And it's like, you know what I mean? People get crazy. I mean, I meet guys all the time. I meet evangelists all the time. I'll be hanging out with them, you know, and, and they'll be like, man, I've seen 472,000 decisions for Christ this year. And I'm like, how many are in church, man? I mean, I'm, I'm just being real, you know, or like we've seen 4,000. My friend tells me we've seen 4,000 decisions for Christ in my city alone. Well, his city only has 4,000 people. And I'm going, your church is 102 people, man. Like, I don't know. This is not computing because two years ago it was 102 people. And what I'm saying is this, though. Could it be we're so excited about that part and we miss the conversion part, which is people having encounters with God's love? Being what marks them that causes them to, if you would, uh, be saved. And, And not just be saved, but remain in the church and remain in a place of salvation. And, and you see, I've learned this is God will send one to sow a seed and another to water a seed and another to harvest it. And I love when I get to harvest a seed. Come on, that's, that's amazing. But I'm sharing this with you because God is calling us as a generation to look past religion and religious ideas of how we're supposed to reach out to people and to just allow the love of God to flow through our lives. And as the love of God flows through our lives, it's going to cause a revolution to happen like what I talked about earlier. A far and drastic change in ways of thinking and behaving regarding what? A culture and a society. 
See, God is after shifting our day in our culture, in our day. He wants the, the people all around the world that don't know him to begin to know who he truly is. You know, the, the book of Habakkuk 2.14, it says this. It says that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to cover the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. See, I want you to understand something. It did not say the glory of God is going to cover the whole earth. It said the knowledge of God's glory is going to cover the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. And you know, I was spending time with the Holy Spirit, and this is what the Lord told me. He said, what's the glory? I began to, you know, I talked about it earlier. It's the goodness of God, the love of God, the compassion of God, the nature of God, the favor of God, all these different things that Moses saw. But, But here's what he told me. He said, the glory is the reputation of who God is made plain and simple to people. And he told me, he said, Jeremy, really what that scripture is saying is this. And this is what I felt. He said that the knowledge or the reputation of how good the father is and the the reputation of his love is going to cover the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. See, when people think about God, what do they think about? They think about this angry guy in heaven counting their sins. Well, here's the deal. God, God loves us so much. He sent his son, not so that he could count our sins, but so he could blot them out. And so that we can have a a life of abundance in Him and and so that we can walk in the things of the kingdom of God and see them manifest in our lives. And and, and I'm telling you right now, uh, you know, salvation is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. And and, and here's the thing, we don't have to do a thing to earn it. It's a gift. And you see, when you begin to understand what the glory of God is, here's what the glory of God is. Jesus said, when you pray, he said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Do you know the Savior wants to come out of heaven and live inside of you? The glory of God, the person of God, alive on the inside of you, being revealed through your life, through the gifts of the Spirit, through the, the revelation he gives you out of his word. You know, through the love that you carry because of the fruit of your relationship that you develop with Him, it's just an overflow coming out of your life continually. And when people come into contact with you, they come into contact with God. They come into contact with the glory of God. That's why Paul said it like this. He said that we're earthen vessels with God's glory on the inside of us. He said this also. He said that, you know, Jesus Christ is the hope of glory and He's inside of you. Jesus said this. He said, when men or women come to you and they say, where is the kingdom? You know, when they come to you and say, where is the kingdom? He said, don't say it's over here or over there. He said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Oh, Jesus. We know Jesus is the door. Right? Uh, He's the door. And, and, and I want you to understand something. Salvation is the door to enter the things of the kingdom. I, t- I said this last night. I love saying this. People, they just like, some people don't know what to do with this. You know, I tell them, I said, if all God wanted us to do is pray one little prayer and that's it, all we need is the evangelist and an assassin. One to get you saved and the other to end the whole thing. But the reality is we're called to see the glory of God. We're called to reveal the glory of God. We're called to reveal the love of God. Through signs and wonders and miracles and power and authority. And, and, and I'm excited because I believe God is beginning to release a greater revelation of love to our generation than any of the generations that he has before. And I'll tell you why. Mainly because a lot of people have made a lot of mistakes and we're learning from them. So I want, I want to honor the generations that have gone before us. But at the same time, we want to pull out of their mistakes wisdom so we don't make the same mistakes. 
And you see, I'm telling you, the heart and the mindset of, of, of what God is doing in this generation in raising up a glory generation is that he's giving this generation his heart and he's giving them his perspective. See, it's not about natural vision and natural understanding and, uh, because the things of the kingdom of God are higher than that. I mean, Paul, he said, you know, he talked about, you know, the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man. He said this, he said that the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. See, I, I want you to understand something. Uh, the, the kingdom will not make sense with an intellectual understanding. You have to understand it here. See, we're born into a supernatural kingdom. Not, we're, we're not born into a church, friends. Though church is a vehicle to teach you about God. See, I want you to understand something. There's an unseen realm around us right now, friends, that we have to begin to grasp and we have to begin to understand. See, Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and, but He's also the Lord of hosts. Think about that. That'll mess you up. Some people, they go, ah, this gifts of the Spirit stuff isn't for today. The dreams and visions and the miracles all died off. No, I don't think so. I want you to understand something. God wants to equip us so that we can walk in the supernatural. And the way it's going to happen is understanding the gospel of the kingdom of God message that Jesus preached. And I talked about this last night. The gospel of the kingdom of God. What is the gospel of the kingdom of God? I'll tell you what. It's a, it's a message of heaven invading earth. It's a message of grasping the things of the unseen world and pulling them into the realm of the seen in this world. And it's it, what it is, is it's a fun journey with God. I want you to understand something. There shouldn't be bored Christians in the kingdom. <laughs> if you're bored, it's because you're not pressing into Him. If you're bored, it's because you're not discovering who you are in Christ and you're not stepping out in faith and going for the things of God. I'm telling you right now, God wants to give you access to everything that you read about in the Bible and more. Some of you are like, what do you mean more? John, you know, John chapter... 14, 12, Jesus said those that have faith in Him will do the same things in what? Greater works. Ah, oh, Jesus. See, but here's what it's about. It's about love. And what we're, what we're going, for, you know, where, where God is taking us from is a place of what I call misplaced passion to a place of true passion. Somebody say, what is misplaced passion? It's being zealous for that which you don't understand. And, and, and in that place, at times we, we, we make messes more than we do, you know, bless people and, and give people the right interpretation of who God is. And what I'm saying is this, I mean, in my own life, I could tell you, uh, you know, I'm an extreme guy. And I came out of extreme stuff in, in my life. It's amazing, you know, like my wife was like the most innocent, never did a thing, you know. Goody two-shoe growing up, telling on her brothers. and <laughs> I mean, here I am, though. I'm, like, addicted to drugs at 13 and drinking five nights a week, you know, like total polar opposite. But how many nights a good balance once you get into the kingdom? <laughs> I'm saying when you're saved, to have someone that comes from one side and someone from the other. Because there's two perspectives. And my testimony's you know, insanely different than hers. But you know what? Hers is just as precious. In fact, hers is a sign and a wonder. I'll tell you why. It's a sign and a wonder to grow up like she did in the culture that we live in today. Don't ever let someone tell you that you're innocence. And don't ever let someone tell you you're too good. No, you're a sign and a wonder and you're convicting them. So I, I want to share that with someone tonight. Someone needs to hear that. 
But I want you to understand something. We're, we're, we're coming from a place where, where, where we've done things in religion. Religion is always bringing constrictions. Religion sucks the life out of things. Religion lacks what? Love. And you see, I'm telling you, in my own life, in my own journey, I've, I've watched as God has totally been teaching me about love. I want you to understand something. When you're born again, you are not born with the ability to love perfectly. In fact, love is something that is developed. I want you to understand something. Everything in the kingdom, everything in our relationship with God, everything in our life is developed. Uh, it's developed. And if we understand that, then all of a sudden what happens is we, we can begin to grow. Because here's the thing that we like to do. We like to be perfect, right? I don't want to make no mistakes. I'm not going to do I'll tell you what. Love gives room for us to make mistakes because grace is there to empower you when you mess up. And I'm not talking about sloppy grace where it's like, you know, I'm just going to throw some sin at it, or throw some grace at the sin that I don't want to give up. I'm talking about empowering grace. God's empowering presence. Which means that, you know, if you're following God with all your heart and you mess up, get back up and keep going. He loves you. See, and what, what I'm talking about is a revolution where God begins to deal with our hearts because that's what it's about. You see, I'm telling you, I, we're an extreme generation and, and, you know, and I was so extreme growing up. I mean, I'm telling you, I was all in or all out of everything that I ever did, right? And, and, you know, I was an athlete and, um, and I know when I first got saved, man, that extremeness just shifted right over into the kingdom. I mean, like I got, I got radically saved. I prayed that Jesus would come in my heart and I went from drugs and alcohol to like, I was like reading the Bible five hours a day, praying like as much as I could. People thought I was weird. But how many know God loves that? And, and, and I'll tell you, I, I just totally pressed into God. And in my pressing in though, I, I got, you know, to this place where, where I, I was walking what I call misplaced passion. And what I'm saying is this, is I was striving for things that were already mine, and I was trying my hardest to do something to get from God. And it was funny because all I did was make a fool of myself and a fool of God around others that didn't know Him. See, I'm talking about a love revolution. How many know we got to get understanding to shift the way we think? And I mean, I was crazy. Like, I would do wild things. I mean, I heard my pastor, you know, being a, a you know a Christian for about two months, I heard my pastor say, so he, he quoted this scripture um, and, and he talked about, you know, how we can't be embarrassed of Jesus. Otherwise, the angels will be embarrassed of us, you know, and all this other stuff. And, you know, and, and I thought, oh, no, I can't be embarrassed of Jesus. And, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I would, like, meditate on that. And, and, and so I was playing baseball. I was one of the top athletes in the country. I actually ended up getting a professional contract. I've, I think I've shared that with a lot of you that, here over the last couple of times. And I remember when that happened, I said to myself, I've got to be a witness, man. And I, you know, so I went to the Christian bookstore and I said, you guys got Jesus shirts? And they were like, yeah, we do. And I was like, how many you got? They're like 13. I was like, I'll take them all. And I bought all of them and I threw all my clothes away. My friends were like, dude, can I have that shirt, man? Like, you know, I had like nice clothes and stuff. And so, I would go everywhere with these, like, these shirts, these Jesus shirts. And to be honest with you, I don't have a problem with Jesus shirts. But when your heart, though, what are you doing it for? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and so anyway, I'd go to baseball practice and we have a team uniform. Well, not me. I'd have, like, you know, a Lord's Gym Jesus shirt on. And he's, like, totally, you know, the, the biggest, strongest Jesus you've ever seen. He's, like, Arr! he's carrying, like, a 20-foot cross. And he's, like, Arr! you know, and, and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm wearing this and my coach is going, what's with you, man? We got a team jersey. Like, our, and our, what, what are you going to do? And I said, what? You got a problem with Jesus? He said, no, man, we're cool. 
I mean, in California, they don't want to mess with the separation of church and state. They're like, no, you're, you're good, man, whatever. You know, and, and, and so it was funny because I, I was like, so weird. But yet I thought like, man, I'm being a witness. I mean, how many know the church does that? And I remember, you know, I was really good at baseball. I'd be pitching and I'd strike the side out and I'd come off the mound and my whole team would be like, good job. I'd be like, it wasn't me, it was Jesus. How <laughs> I many, who's ever done that one? You know, I want you to understand something. You know, I, I, I speak to people all the time. They're like, I'm like, hey man, that was an awesome word you brought. They're like, oh, it's just Jesus. I'm like, wasn't that good? I'm trying to encourage you, but if Jesus brought the word, I'm telling you, every single person that gets saved, they get healed, they get blessed. Yeah. So uh, what I'm telling you is this, that's called false humility. <laughs> but, but here's the thing though, is, is sometimes we get in, because of lack of understanding of God's love. See, when people give you a compliment, they're, they're not trying to build you up, they're trying to compliment the fact that God's love is flowing through your life. And that the person of who God is is being seen in your life. And, and, and what, you, what we need to do is we need to receive it because here's the thing. God's called us to be kings and he's called us to be priests. How many know he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords? You ever met an insecure, poor king? No, you haven't because they've been raised to be noble. They've been raised to be royalty. They, you know, they're born into riches and they're born into all these things. But did you know when you're born into the kingdom of God, everything in heaven you're born into? Uh-huh. I remember I would like sit on my, my baseball team, you know, in the dugout and I'm reading these scriptures because I, I read the scripture. I got to study to show myself approved. So I'm like, God, I don't care what anybody thinks, you know. And so anyway, then the guys start coming. I start promoting religion. I'm like, they're like, man, I ain't got a hit in a week, dude. You got a scripture. I was like, yeah, I can do all things through Christ. You know, give it to them who strengthens me, they put in their hat, and then they're like, hit a home run. They come back, they're like, this is amazing. They're kissing their scripture. Man, they don't care about God, but you know, they're like, and, and then the next week, they strike out five times, and here I am from the other end of the dugout to the other end, running as fast as I can. I slide on my cleats, in their face. You're going to go to hell. That's the word of God. How I many know we're sending mixed messages to people in the world, you know, like God loves you so much. Man, I wouldn't want to go to church with you either. You know? I mean, and, 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 and here I am, this Christian, you know, that's like, I, I think I'm so on fire. You know, and I remember one time I'm at this bus stop, and this is embarrassing for me to even tell you this, but I remember one time I'm at this bus stop, and, you know, I got, it's back in the day where you have those CD players that, um, you know, the ones that, you gotta have batteries, first of all, and, and then second of all, you know, they're spinning so fast there, and if you turn it a little bit, it's, disco's flying out, right? Or it skips. So I'm, I've got one of those old school. See, yeah, you look like an idiot because you're like, <laughs> you know, you don't want the thing to skip. And so I'm at this bus stop and I'm like telling God, I'm like, God, I love you so much. And, and I'm looking around and I see all these people at this bus stop and I'm, I'm thinking, God, I don't care what anybody thinks. You know what, God, I'll worship you right now. I'll show you I love you. And, and I'm sitting there and, and I'm, I'm like, I don't want to do it, but I'm like, God, I got to show you. And so I put my CD player on. And I'm at the bus stop and I get down on my hands and knees and I start singing it. It's not like, it's not like the songs nowadays, you know. It's, I mean, Lord, I lift your name on high, you know. I mean, it, like it wasn't like some songs that we sing today that would be like, you could tell it's Christian, but it's not. But, and, and I feel like the biggest idiot in the world. But yet I'm like, God, I love you and you know I love you now. And then I open my eyes and I miss the bus. And then I gotta walk all the way home and you know what I'm thinking? Yeah. I, 
I missed the bus for Jesus. Come on. You know what? It's like, you know, some of you right now, you're like, dude, is this guy serious? You got your own stories. See, I'm just, uh, what I'm doing is I'm revealing something to you. It's called misplaced passion. And I want you to understand something. It's okay. Because there's none of you who are born again perfectly, right? It just doesn't happen. I mean, some of us are signs and wonders. People see us, they're like, wow, you know. And, and I was definitely one of those. And, and I'm telling you, in every aspect of my relationship with God, I've had to walk through this journey. I mean, so I, I went from like, you know, having to wear the Jesus shirts to prove to everybody that I love God and, you know, prove that he's alive. And you want to know what it really was about is I didn't know the power of God. I didn't. I was at a Calvary Chapel church, and I want you to understand something. I don't, I'm not speaking bad against Calvary Chapel. I honor them. They taught me the word of God. I wouldn't be where I'm at today without that foundation. They're amazing in what they do in the kingdom. But I didn't learn about the gifts of the spirit there. I didn't learn about, you know, prophecy and miracles and healings in the kingdom of God. And you see what was happening was I was using everything in my natural thinking and everything in my natural to try to reveal a supernatural God to people. And I kept screwing it up. Why? Because of me. See, We don't have power inside ourselves to do what God wants us to do. We need the Holy Spirit. We need a supernatural love that comes from Him, that comes from encountering Him. See, the more that you're with God, the more that He begins to rub off on you. See, this is something that I like to say. The anointing of God oftentimes is more caught than it is taught. What does that mean? That means you begin to gaze into His heart and you gaze into His eyes. You worship Him. You praise Him. You read the Word. As you're spending time with Him, before you know it, it's like you're putting your Jesus suit on and you're looking like Him in the Spirit and you're walking around and and all of a sudden, everywhere you go, like the Spirit of God's moving. And your words aren't your words anymore. They're inspired all of a sudden by a loving God and they have effect in people's lives instead of doing some goofy thing to try to prove that, you know, we're zealots for God. See, I, I'm telling you, even when I started ministry, man, God just, he messed me up. When I first started ministry, I went to, you know, back in the day where we were throwing the fireball on the witch and, you know, totally praying for her. That, man, I was so zealous for God as a young ministry. I, I, I'm telling you, I, I got launched in a full-time ministry at 24 years old, and I was dangerous, both to the kingdom and to people. You know, the devil's kingdom, God's kingdom, because I was just crazy. I mean, I remember I've always had a gift of faith and miracles on my life. I've had a gift of faith and miracles. I want you to understand something. The giftings of God and the callings of God are given without repentance. And, and you know what? Somebody can walk in a powerful gift and have no character and foul up who God is to people and, 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 and ruin the reputation of who he is to them because they don't have maturity in their lives. And I'm telling you, I was like, I read all these books, Jack Coe, Smith Wigglesworth, A.A. Allen, you know, I, I was like watching videos of these revivalists, and, and this is for real. I would stand up in meetings, and I'd be like, God's going to heal people right now, and I'd like line them up, and I'd say, right there, close your eyes, pop, and just hit them. And you know what, people would fall to the ground, and people would scream, and you know what, they'd get up totally healed. And nobody ever said a thing to me, because every time I ever did it, they totally got healed. One time I had a woman that was in her 70s. She had a metal rod in her hip. And I, I stood her right there and I said, hey, just stand right there. I would, I would always say this, close your eyes, you know. So I, I go back like this. And I remember I just went, oh, I kicked her in the hip. She goes flying over. And the whole crowd, 400 people go, whoo. You know what? She got up the ground, no more metal rod. Went to the hospital, got a doctor's x-ray. They could not find it anymore. And you know what? I'm telling you, I was even worse when it came to demons. 
if people had a demon, I mean, I was like, you know, <laughs> I mean, I was watching all these videos of these ministers, man, and I thought, like, well, all right, if demons come, you got to yell. That's how you get more authority, right? Like, you know, it doesn't matter how loud you are. You could just whisper, and if you have authority on your life, it'll deal with those things. And so someone would manifest a demon. I'd be like, bring the demon right now. And I had this little vein that would pop out here. I'd be like, and, and they'd bring this person around that's manifesting this poor person, man. I mean, you know what I would do? I, I didn't think about it back then. I would totally ruin their reputation from their whole congregation embarrass them. It's the most insensitive thing, you know, because I'm the man of God and I want to show you I got power. And I would bring them up and I'd be like, bring them to me. And I'd grab them by the head. They'd fall down and usually never get delivered. And I'd be like, get them out of here. You know, like, you know, move over here and start preaching as fast as I can because I'm like, man, that didn't work too good. And, you know, I remember one day I'm in this meeting and this woman in the back starts manifesting this demon. They bring her up and I go right into this mode of like, hmm, how many know we can get warrior-like? Real fast in Christ, you know. But I want you to understand something. Jesus, he was a lover. (laughs) And you know what? He could get zealous and he could get strong. But if he did, it was because God's heart was motivating him in a place of zeal. His zeal was perfect. Because it was in a place of love for his father. And, and I remember they, they brought me this girl. And, and I was like, in the name of Jesus. And it was like audibly I heard the voice of God. He said, he said, love the person, hate the demon. And I was like, shocked. I was like, what do you mean, God? I'm, I'm, I'm doing the works of the kingdom. You know, I took scriptures out of context. You know, that Jesus, he manifested himself to destroy the works of the devil. So I thought my life and my ministry was about destroying the works of the devil. And I didn't realize I got to love people in the midst of destroying. You know, and so anyway, the Lord said, just wave your hand at her like that. And so I, I was like, okay. And I was like, in the name of Jesus. And she just went, boom, hits the ground, delivered instantly, gets up. And it's like, I mean, this woman got rocked by God. And that day I got a revelation. I went, wow, this is amazing. Like, I don't have to yell. Like, And the Lord told me, he said, my love, Jeremy, my love is the most powerful thing on earth. He said, this is what you're called to do. You're called to love me and to love people. And he says, if you'll release the love of God on people, the results will be out of the, you know, out of the park every time. The results will be outstanding. And you know what happened is I started to see even greater miracles than when I'm kicking and punching and, you know, all these different things. And, and what happened is God began to entrust us with influence. And, and, and I began to come into a revolution in my own life where I began to understand that I don't have to do anything to get God to do stuff. I don't have to, like, prove to people that I'm anointed. I don't have to, you know, go around and, and, and show off in my gifts. All I gotta do is just love. And all I gotta do is just position myself to be loved. And you see, this is what this revolution is all about. This love revolution. And what God wants to do is God wants to shift our thinking and our mindsets. And I'm telling you, God wants to take us from a fight and flight Christianity to, you know, an intimacy with God and obedience Christianity. To where where everything in the kingdom is being released, not because we do something to get, but because we hear the voice of the Father and we're being obedient to what He says. See, that's how relationship works. That's how the kingdom operates. That's, that's why we've seen so many miracles. And no matter where we go, we see the miracles. It doesn't matter how hard the atmosphere is. It's, it's because God is saying to do this and we do it and then he shows up. How I many know oh, God releases authority to his friends? And you see, I'm telling you right now, Jesus, this was his message. We've got to understand the message of Jesus. He said, everywhere he went, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
That word repent in the Greek, it doesn't mean ask for forgiveness of your sins. It means to change the way you think. We were talking about at lunch. And to, uh, to change the way you think and return to the highest place, the, the top of the penthouse. And it says, you know, and, and here's the other definition of it that I've found is, Jesus is saying this, is I've come to bring my world with me. So change the way you think so you can receive it. See, what, what does it look like to see heaven invade earth? It looks supernatural. That's what it looks like. I love PowerPoints. I love media and all these things. And we need to grab a hold of that kind of a anointing in this day to begin to reach people. But we can't allow it to replace the power of God. See, we can't allow it to replace the gifts of God because the gifts of God are the vehicle for us as a generation to release the Spirit. And you see, I'm telling you, I'm excited because I believe that God is releasing love like never before to our generation. Ha! And when we get the love thing, I'm telling you, everything else just falls away. Everything else just goes away. You know, I'm telling you right now, you fall in love with Jesus, I won't have to tell you, don't do this and don't do that. All that sin's bigger than this sin. No, forget all that junk. I'm telling you right now, there's one answer and it's Jesus. You want holiness in your life, become like the 24 elders that cast their crowns before his throne every single day. You know, they, they, they cast their crown and what they do, they go, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And you know, some people, they go, man, it's going to be boring in heaven if that's all we do. You don't know God. Because it has nothing to do with boring. It has to do with every time they say holy and they give their lives over to Him fully, God reveals a new facet of who He is to them. And their motivation to cry holy is because they want to continually see God and they want to continually know Him more. And you see, if you'll position your heart in that manner, I'm telling you right now, the smoking will go away. The pornography will go away. The drinking will go away. The things that you struggle with will just go away. And it's like that old worship song that talks about, you know, when you fix your eyes on Christ and all the things of the world, they just grow strangely dim. You know, it's, I mean, here's what God wants. God wants the generation to be captivated by his gaze. And you see, God is releasing an anointing tonight of uh, an anointing for eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to feel. Did you know that's what the prophetic is? The prophetic is this, eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that feel. And see, God wants to release that anointing tonight. And what God wants to do is God wants to take us from a place of what I call warrior Christianity to a place of being sons and daughters. How many know there's warriors in the kingdom? You ever met them? They scare me. (laughs) I'm telling you, I've had people, they run up to me and they're like, the Lord says, I must anoint you. And they got a bottle of oil and they're trying to pour it on my head. And I'm like, stiff arm, and it goes over there. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, this is about you. Not about me. God has anointed me. You don't need to do it. And it's like, ah, they get all upset. Or, I mean, have you ever seen stuff like that? It's like the flaky stuff. See, the, the issue is not really that hard to figure out. It's love. So when you're secure, you don't need to do things to get. You know what I mean? And, and, and I'm telling you, I've been to entire warrior camps. Like, it, it's hilarious. You guys know who uh, Wesley and Stacey Campbell is? Yeah, they're good friends of ours. And, you know, Miranda travels around with Stacy, you know, and they tag team preach and, and do all kinds of stuff. They went to Brazil last year. And just, uh, anyway, they got an awesome relationship. And um, anyway, one time before actually I was married to, to Miranda, Wesley and Stacy invited me to come and do a school of the prophets with them. 
So I'd go to this school, and it's way up in the mountains in British Columbia. And when we got there, I'm telling you, it was like Warrior Bill. I'd never been to anything like it. And we get there, and, and, and people, like, the first night are worshiping with swords. They're like, oh, it's like this outdoor amphitheater thing. And, and I'm like, I look at Stacy, and she just laughs. She's like, you know, laughing and stuff. And anyway, I get up to preach, and I give this altar call. And this one guy, seriously, he runs down, and he goes, and he rips his shirt. And he throws dust up, and it's like on his head. And I'm going, this is amazing. Like, and again, Stacy's just laughing. She's like laughing at me, you know, and, and, uh, and so anyway, then the next day, I'm, I'm like, I, I'm going to go teach you know, on dreams and visions. And, and this, this guy meets me on the path, and he's got this massive drum. And he looks at me, and he goes, I will war for you today in the spirit, brother. And I'm thinking, what? I'm like, man, I'm, I'm teaching on dreams and visions. You should come and get equipped. And he, I was born for war. And he goes, <laughs> and he turns into the wilderness. And he's like, <laughs> and he goes up over this hill. He's completely gone. And I'm thinking, what is going on? And then I realized, I go, where is Wesley at? I haven't seen him the whole time we've been here. I was like, actually, I maybe see him like late night once, but where, where is Wesley? And so I, I, I tell these guys, I go, where's Wesley? And they go, oh, you want to see Wesley? I said, yeah. So I go, get in the Jeep. And so I get in the Jeep, me and four warriors. I'm like in the middle. And they start driving like 110 kilometers down this dirt road. Like, I'm in panic. You know, and. We get to this, we get to this point and it's a big river and there's Wesley. He's in the river fishing. And I'm thinking, what is the deal, man? Like, and so I get out and I'm walking with these warriors and Wesley looks at me and and he goes, Hey man, I wondered when you'd get out here. And and I walk up to him. I said, man, what is the deal? These guys are crazy. He goes, I know. Why do you think I'm out here? And, And so anyway, here's the thing. Like he's fishing. And in British Columbia, where my wife is from and where those guys are from, the fish are like massive. They're big, huge salmon. Where I'm from, they're like this big, you know, little brookie trout. And actually, when Moran and I got married, it was embarrassing because I was like serious fisherman growing up. She went like once or twice. And so I like my family's proud of fishing. And so we put up a picture of the fish that I caught and. Then she puts up a picture of like whales on a line. These fish that she caught. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're like, what up with me? She's like, no, I'm just sharing my fish story too. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, so I mean, my point is this. I'm not experienced in these kind of fish, you know. And so anyway, Wesley gets this big fish on his line and he looks at me and he's like, I got one, you know. And I was like, afraid of that. And so he starts reeling it, and he's like fighting it, and he goes, here, man, you need to do it. And so he throws me the pole, and I'm thinking, oh, no, <laughs> don't mess up, man. Don't mess up. I'm thinking, don't lose Wesley's fish. I got four, you know, four warriors and Wesley right there. So I start reeling this thing in, and I come up with this plan. I'm like, okay, when I get this thing in, man, I'm going to pounce on it. So I'm like, you know, it's wrestling, and then I pull it like this. And I'm telling you, when it flies out of the water, I drop the pole, and I grab this fish so hard. I'm like, you can hear the fish go like that. My fingernails are digging into it. It's bleeding and it's going. And I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? And I hear the warriors. They go, hit it over the head with a rock. So I don't know what I'm doing. I put the thing on the ground. I find the biggest boulder, right? I'm thinking, i got to find a manly boulder. And I, so I grab it and I go, boom. And when I do, the, the fish's brain and his eyeball go. And Wesley goes, oh my gosh, you're sick, man. He says, what are you doing? 
And everybody looks at me and they're all like freaked out. And I'm thinking, the warriors are freaked out, you know. And, and, and I'm sitting there with this messed up fish. And, and Wesley looks at me and he goes, what are you doing? The thing has the brain the size of a pea. It's like, you ain't got to do all that, man. And so I just start laughing. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And this is what he tells me. He says, son, you're just like all the rest of the Christians that don't have love. He, he said, this is, a, this is an example to you of misplaced passion. He said, it's kind of like a church. I've called them to be fisher of men. But then when they get them into the kingdom, they bash them over the head. And they say it's love, you know. Have you ever met people like that? It's only because I love you that I'm putting legalistic chains on you. It's like, okay. So I want you to understand something. How I mean, you know, this is what Wesley told me. He said, you only need a little rock, man. And things got the brain of the size of a pea. How I many know it's about our brain? It's about changing the way we think. Changing the way the world thinks. They don't need to be slapped in the face 15 times with your Bible and kicked in the gut until, you know, We get all the flesh out of them. They just need one little revelation, and that's God's love. And it shifts everything in their heart, and it shifts everything in their mind. Oh. (laughs) I'm starting to get hit with the joy. (laughs) Woo, Jesus. <laughs> Whew. Whew. Who likes joy? Ah, Jesus. <laughs> Woo. Come on, joy is good. It's evidence. You know, some people, they go, joy. Why joy? It's always the lemon guy, right, who's in the back. It's like, why they got to laugh, you know? And it's like, why not? I'm like, God is fun. He's happy. He's amazing. He's a good God, right? You know, joy is not an emotion. It's a fruit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. What it really is is an evidence that somebody knows God and that He's alive on the inside of them because who He is is flowing from them. Ah, Jesus. I'm saying that because you've got the lemon in the back. They're like, and it's like, they're like, I got joy. And it's like, let your face know it then, man. Because right now you're like, Okay, I'm going to go back to love. Actually, I'm just, I'm saying it's fruit. How many of we want fruit in our lives? Love. Woo, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Can I get someone to come up here and play? Woo. Hey, actually, would you mind if I got him to come up? Danny travels with us. You guys, some of us uh, met Danny last night and the last time. But he leads worship at his church, and I, I just really felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, I want everybody to just focus tonight and receive. Oh, Jesus. Rather than getting the whole band up, and God wants to touch people. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'm telling you, I believe God wants to heal people tonight. <laughs> I believe God wants to impart to people. God wants to set people free. And, you know, I, I really felt tonight I wanted to bring a message on love. And on what revolution is and what revolution looks like. Because before we can see a far and drastic change in the ways of thinking and behaving regarding a culture in the world, we have to see it in the church. We have to learn what it looks like. And you know, I've been having a lot of fun tonight making fun of myself. And 
you know, exposing some things. But here's what I want you to understand. I believe that God the Father from heaven, when I was worshiping God and I missed the bus, I believe he was like, look at that guy, he's crazy. But you know what? He's sold out. And one day I'm going to use him. So what I'm saying is this. I'm not saying that it's wrong to be passionate and even to be zealous. What I am saying is this, is if you don't grow up, though, in the process of your walk with God, in the understanding of love, you'll become nothing but someone who gives people an idea of God that is truly not who he is. See, what God wants is people that encounter his love so they can give it away to others. He wants to take us from a place of misplaced passion to a place of true passion. And you see, that has to do with your heart and your understanding. See, the reason why Jesus came was, yes, to, to, to save the world. God sent Jesus to save the world from their sin and to bridge the gap so that they can begin to have relationship with the Father. But I want you to understand something. It's even bigger than that. Jesus It says this in the Gospels, that the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. It didn't say that He came to seek and save those who were lost. It said He came to seek and save that which was lost. What was it that was lost? Perfect relationship with God. What Adam and Eve had in the garden. Which was what? To subdue the earth, to multiply, to have dominion. Which was to partner and co-labor with God to see the glory of God manifest in the earth. And you see, what Jesus came to do is Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. He came to save us from our sin and to make a way where there was no way for us to have relationship with God. But it doesn't stop there, friends. He came to give us a mandate. To take the glory and the love of God and and, and to release it to the nations. And to release it to people. And tonight, God wants to stir you up. God wants to set people on fire. God wants to anoint people with His love. And and, and we're going to release the kingdom. But right now, I just want you in this place to focus on Him. I believe people will be healed tonight, even just sitting in their seats. As the love of God just blows through this place. How many know the greatest imparter, the greatest healer is the Holy Spirit? So I want you to understand something. I believe God wants to heal people in the atmosphere tonight as a sign of His love. But what God really wants is He wants us right now to give Him our hearts. And he wants us to give him our minds and, and, and to, to say, you know what, God, I want to grow up into what? The head, which is Jesus. See, God wants us to walk as sons and daughters, not orphans. And I'm excited because I'm telling you, there are many of you already walking as sons and daughters. And, and there are many of you that are already walking in your authority. But how many know there's more? With the more understanding of God we get, the more we have access. So I want you to stand to your feet. And Danny, I want you to lead us in a, a, a song of worship. And I want you to, uh, I want you just to look to Jesus tonight. And I'm telling you, I believe there's an anointing in the room to fall in love with Jesus. I believe there's an anointing in the room where the Holy Spirit wants to come right now and He wants to minister to your hearts. There's some of you in this place tonight, you need Jesus to come. And you need Him to touch you desperately. There's some of you tonight, it's like, man, you've been going through the motions and you've been going through, you know, all the the religious hoops and God wants to just set you free. You don't have to do a thing tonight to receive from Him. You You just close your eyes and look to Him.
We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon. Faith to live like Christ for all our days.